Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Roll the Quadcast. Uh, apologies up front for a couple of technical difficulties. We uh, had to do a couple different things on the back end this week with Blog Talk Radio, so we are doing our best here. I believe things should run smoothly from here. Um, we have myself, my name is Riley Johnson, per the usual, and also Robert Reinhardt. Uh, are you there, Rob? Okay, well, it sounds like Rob may not be there either, so we will go ahead and uh, start the show here. I don't mean to take up too much of your time. We probably should be right around 25 to 30 minutes for this episode. Um, The primary thing that we're doing this week is looking at the first three games on our schedule. We've got the Presbyterian game, the Boston College game, and Utah State. And uh, quite frankly, these are three games that we have to win if we are going to make a bowl this year. As we previewed this past week, the schedule gets pretty difficult in the middle of the season um, with a rough stretch from Appalachian State all the way through Notre Dame, where those are really five to six games that we might only get one win out of. Um, We're going to try Rob again here. I believe he may be connecting now. Rob, can you hear me? I can't hear you. Okay, perfect. Sorry about that. I saw you come on here. Uh, how was uh, how was the drive back? I know you're at the beach, so uh, I hope you got back safely. Got back safely. Got back just just at six thirty. Uh, unfortunately, we had some te- technical difficulties, but it sounds like we're back now and ready to go. Absolutely. So I was uh, talking about how we're going to outline the Presbyterian Boston College and the Utah State game. Um, Let's go ahead and just jump right in here. We've got Presbyterian coming up first on the schedule. It is on Thursday, August 31st at 6.30 p.m. Uh, To put it quite frankly, Presbyterian is not a very good football team. I uh, outlined them a little bit this week for the team capsule. And uh, if this game is anything other than a blowout, then I think we have some concerns about this uh, this year's team, but I fully expect us to go ahead and take care of business with regards to Presbyterian. They uh, believe are expected to win two or three games this year. They were ranked 232nd in Sagarin's ratings last year, and uh, we would have been about a 24-point favorite um, had we taken them on the gridiron. They scored nine points per game and allowed 31 points per game and wound up firing their head coach right after the year, and they replaced him with a former head coach uh, of Presbyterian as well, who was the defensive coordinator and uh, was elevated after their uh, previous coach's firing. Rob, do you have any initial thoughts on Presbyterian or just <laughs> what, what the game means to Wake Forest overall? Uh, as, as far as I'm concerned with this game, yeah, this is one of the games where you're not really going to impress anybody, even if you win by 50 points. But you're sure going to scare people if if you you know if it's slightly competitive. Uh, that's not going to be a good sign moving forward. Really, the things I'm hoping to see out of this game are get up early and be able to play pretty much base offense and base defense and and get the starters out of the game into the second half and then rest up and be ready to go for Boston College. Absolutely, and I I agree with that 100%. Um, This isn't a game that we can let them hang around. This isn't a two-lane situation at all like last year where obviously I wasn't impressed with our 7-3 victory but uh, against Tulane. But this is a game we have to win. They, they, they went 2-9 they and nine last year, 1-4 and four in the Big South. 
Um, just a little bit about Presbyterian. They're from Clinton, South Carolina. They're a pretty small school, even by uh, FCS standards. They've got about 1,100 people, and uh, they play in a stadium that seats 6,500. Uh, Tommy Spangler will take over for the team this year. He is actually 42-24 and 24 all-time as the head coach for the Blue Hogs, but he hasn't been there since 2006. Um, last year they won two games. They beat Monmouth and Campbell, and uh, they beat Campbell by two-and-a-half touchdowns, so that was their uh, – their best one of the year, but they lost to Division II Florida Tech by three touchdowns. Uh, if this is anything less than probably a five-touchdown win for Wake Forest, then uh, it will be sorely disappointing. And obviously, if we lose, then we can just go ahead and fold up the shop on the season and not worry about anything else. So uh, let, let's just go ahead and move straight into the Boston College game here. Wake Forest should be 1-0. If not, it doesn't matter because um, the season's over. But uh, the rivalry Yeah, the ball is over, everything's over. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the, the rivalry is a big game for Wake Forest and Boston College because they tend to be pretty evenly matched. Uh, the Deeks lost to Boston College last year, seventeen to fourteen, and the year before Wake won three to nothing. And uh, what can only be described as one of the best games to ever be played in college football history. So, um, Wake got that win, but they're going to look to bounce back and try to get a big win against BC this year to start two and zero. Rob, I know you looked a little looked up a little bit about this Boston College team. What are your initial thoughts heading into this game? Uh, initial thoughts: They're a very similar team to Wake in the sense historically they've relied on very good defense and not even passable offense. They they just try not to get in the way on offense. If you look last year at the S&P ratings, they had the 21st best defense in the country, but the 124th best or about fifth worst offense in the country. So um, huge disparity there. Wake also had a pretty pretty big disparity. Uh, One key player to look for is Harold Landry. He announced he's coming back. He's a defensive end prospect. Mel Piper, Todd McShay, those guys think he could be a top 10 pick in the 2018 NFL draft. So Wake's offensive line has been a question mark as long as I can remember. Um, So uh, we're going to have to protect either Kendall Hinton or John Wolford back there. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you when you say they appear to be a very similar team to Wake Forest. Both teams have struggled immensely the last two to three years to generate any form of offense to supplement a very, very good defense. Boston College is no joke on the the defensive side. They were 21st uh, in the country in defense last year and 124th in offense. So Wake fans can certainly relate to something like that. But they, just like Wake, put up a lot of points in the bowl game. They put up 36 points against Maryland, and, and they appear to be headed in the correct uh, the correct direction moving into this season. I know you've noted in the past about their quarterback situation. I believe Patrick Tolles is their starter, but we don't know that maybe Anthony Brown or Darius Wade could replace him. Do you have any insight on that, or do you, do you believe that in the second game of the year it'll still be uh, Tolles? Well, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure he's gone. So I, I'm pretty sure he was a grad transfer from Kentucky. Um, and he never impressed me when he was really at, at D.C. at Kentucky. So it sounds like they're going to go with either Brown or Wade. And the thing to worry about those guys is um, I'm not sure. Both are, are mobile quarterbacks. Wade struggled with mobile quarterbacks. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. That could bring a new dimension to their offense. I've never been particularly impressed with some of their skill position players. So, um, you know, that's going to be interesting to see, but at least they might have an interesting wrinkle in their offense. 
Yeah, and Rob, that's why I keep you around there. I was actually looking at the wrong uh, – I was looking at a roster that I believed he was a senior coming up this year. So that was, uh, that was my mistake there. But thank you for uh, straightening me out there. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what direction they go here moving forward. And um, much like Wake, it seems like they have a fair amount of talent at their position and skill players. It's just they, they've never – it hasn't translated over very well other than the defensive side of the ball. So uh, it, it is fun – I wouldn't say fun to watch them. It's interesting to look at them because they appear to be a very similar team to Wake, and that tends to lend itself to very low-scoring, fight-out, grounded-out games that aren't very, very pretty to watch, as we saw a couple of years ago where no touchdowns were scored and Wake Forest won simply because they managed the last minute better than Boston College where they failed to score from, from five yards out in three or four plays. So it, it'll be interesting. I believe we're going to try to take a trip up there to Boston and uh, – check out that game so if uh, any of the bci guys are listening we would uh love to catch up with them because they they do a great job over there uh our brother side bc interruption if you get a chance to check that out then i would certainly recommend it so hopefully wake forest will be two and oh after that game do you, do you think we're going to win that game or do you think it's a toss-up since it's on the road um i, I think it's a toss-up uh, i was disappointed we did not beat them last year though we potentially didn't have as much motivation since they were trying to secure a bowl victory, and um, we, we had already done so with against Virginia. But to be very competitive, and um, I, I think we'll pull out ahead, though, uh, a lot of football, um, you know, to still take place over August in and, and training camps. So, so we'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be a, a monumentally, game, monumentally important game for Wake Forest in terms of securing a bowl buzz. As you sort of outlined earlier, the, the different parts of the schedule, we're, we're going to need this one um, moving forward. Yeah, it, it really is impossible to overstate the importance of these first three games. I know they aren't big-name teams, Presbyterian, Boston College, and Utah State, but these are games that we have to win if we're going to return to a second straight bowl game. Um Presbyterian, obviously, is a must-win. Utah State is the, the next team we're going to take a look at here. Um, we played them a couple of years ago. They actually defeated us 36-24 to um, out in Utah in 2014. Uh, but they they weren't a very good team last year. They finished 97th in the Sagarin ratings, which basically rates all the college football teams uh, in, in total. So that's not overly impressive. Uh, their preseason projections give Wake a – 65% chance to win this game uh, with a line of right about six and a half points. So Wake's about a touchdown favorite. And it's our homecoming. Uh, this is on Saturday, September 16th. A bit of an early homecoming, uh, but it is based on how the schedule worked out. And you usually want to schedule a team that is not overly <laughs> incredibly good at football. <laughs> yeah. You, Wake Forest has historically been a uh, homecoming opponent for uh, most teams in the ACC and some non-conference because we are a perennial punching bag. So hopefully moving forward, we can avoid that. But Utah State is our homecoming team this year. They're projected to be a pretty balanced team this year, but just because they're balanced doesn't mean they're good. Uh, they're projected to be about the 71st best team on offense, 70th best team on defense. So while they might be, in fact, be balanced, that doesn't mean they're going to win a lot of football games. Taking an overall look at Utah State, what, what really stuck out to you at, at first, Rob, uh, if you had to comment on the Aggies? Yeah, in, in looking at them, I got a lot of this information from Bill Connolly's 
2018 preview. He's still coming out with, with teams, and I think he might start with the ACC tomorrow. But he, he wrote his off-season preview of Utah State a few months ago. The thing that really stuck out to me in, in looking at returning talent is they lost a lot on their offensive line. They lost four starters, including three who started uh, 12 games apiece last year and were honorable mention all Mountain West. So given that the strength of our team, or at least a, a big strength, is our defensive line where we have depth and we also have Duke Edgefor, uh, as, as the star pass rusher, I think that could be a big time advantage for Wake Forest. Hopefully, get some pressure on the quarterback and uh, potentially either create some sacks or, or hopefully enough QB hurries to create some interceptions down the field. Yeah, given the strength of Wake Forest defensive line, if, if we're playing a team that had some questions, especially early on with their offensive line, I would say that is a huge advantage for Wake Forest because that is probably the largest strength. Our front seven is probably the largest strength of the team. And if you got questions on the front line, then we should really feast on that line of scrimmage and win, win the battle there. So that should be something to look forward to as well. Um, last year, Utah State went 3-9, and nine, as I mentioned, 1-7 and seven in the Mountain West. Uh, they are coached by Matt Wells. He's in his fifth season. Uh, they have a 28,000 uh, student enrollment. It's always funny to talk about these teams because I, I have certain – preconceived notion of what a team looks like or how big it is based on what their sports teams look like. But obviously Wake Forest with an undergrad of 5,000 doesn't exactly match that profile. So it's always interesting to look at teams like Utah State where, well, they've been good at football in the past, but then they, you see their enrollment at 28,000, and that's a pretty big school. So it's uh, not really sports-related, but I think it teams don't always match the profile that you would expect in your mind as far as enrollment. Um so it'll be fun, I think, to watch them play. It's always good to have another team come into Winston that hasn't necessarily been here before. And we matched up with Utah State a few years back. They had Chucky Keaton, who was a phenomenal quarterback, um, and we caught them at a, a good time in their football program, and they beat us by a couple of touchdowns. So hopefully we will return the favor uh, this season. They're not necessarily projected to be extremely good, over under a four-and-a-half. Um, but teams like this, you just never know. In theory, we should hopefully win by a good amount and go ahead and uh, at least be two or one or three and after these three games, but you just never know what's going to happen there. So um, I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's it, this is a good team for a homecoming game. So uh, any any other thoughts on Utah State that, that you'd like to share? Um, no, not necessarily. I, I just uh, will say that I think you had a really good point there when you talk about a, a young offensive line or at least an offensive line that hasn't played a lot together. It is important that we are playing them in the third week of the season where they haven't had as much time to gel and, and maybe learn some different shifts and adjustments to make as, as the year goes along. And also our team's not going to be as beat up from having played Clemson and Florida State, um, you know, and, and get beat up physically in those games. So we should be relatively fresh, not that Boston College isn't a physical team. And uh, I guess another thing, we were talking last week about playing at on the road, at State on the road first, and then later on having that game at Wake Forest and, you know, sort of lamenting about that a little bit. But I uh, will say I'm glad we played Utah State on the road three years ago because we probably weren't going to win that game anyway, to be perfectly honest with you. So I'm, I'm glad the return – not that we couldn't win at Utah State this year – but I'm glad we have the return game here this year when we're um, definitely within striking distance of, of making another bowl game. 
Yeah, that that's a pretty good follow up from last weekend too. Uh, it's a good point that you know I I do think it's still a big problem that we tend to go on the road first and then get the home game later on. But you bring up a great point in the sense that if we had to go on the road this year, this game becomes much more of a toss up than if it were in Winston Salem, which, which it currently is. So it kind of worked out well in that favor, and I guess every once in a while it it works out well for you. But I would still like to see us play our home game first against teams that are not necessarily our peers in a power five uh, football conference. But uh, in this case, it it does work out quite well for us. And hopefully this will see us get to two or three wins out of these three. Um, Just looking at the three games as a whole, Rob, what do you think, what is your expectation for the three games? And also what do you think we need to be at after these three games if we're going to make a bowl game? Um, that's a great question. I think expectation is obviously Presbyterian without question. I do expect to beat Utah State. I'm pretty confident in that game. Boston College is going to be a bit of a toss-up, uh, and you know we'll keep learning more as the game gets closer and maybe injuries happen in camp, players break out, things like that. Um, if you want to lump this, I'm going to cheat and lump in the App State game next week, I say we have to go through at least 3-1 and one over those that stretch. So if we go 2-1 and one during this stretch, um, as long as you guarantee me a win against App, I'm, I'm okay with it. Though, um, you know, I would love to see us go 3-0, and oh, especially getting a good confidence win at Boston College. I think that would do good things for us, especially as we enter a very tough, tough stretch of the season. What about you? Yeah, I think – Two wins is an absolute – so let's just let's just chalk up Presbyterian as a win. I'm not trying to denigrate their program or school at all, but if we lose that game, we're not making a bowl anyway. I assigned a .99 uh, win expectancy out of one in my preview this week that we looked at the, the first four teams of the schedule. Um, but we're not going to lose to Presbyterian, and if we do, then the season's over anyway. So we're looking basically at two games, at Boston College and Utah State. I gave us about a 55% chance to win at Boston College and approximately 75% against Utah State. It, it sounds like Bill Connolly likes, it, it thinks I'm a little high on the 75%, but, I mean, that's parsing numbers at that point. Adding those together, it looks like that's about a 1.3, 1.2, 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4 win expectancy out of those two games. So it is more likely that we go one and one at Boston College, Utah State, than it is that we win both of them. Um, I, t- I don't know which way it's going to go, but I-, I tend to agree with that. I-, I think we will probably beat Utah State at home, but winning on the road, especially against Boston College and early in the season, that, that can be tough. Um, I mean, that's going to be our first experience away from Winston-Salem. We will have had uh, presumably an easy win against Presbyterian, and then we traveled nine days later to Boston College. It is nice that we have a couple of extra days there since our first game on Thursday um, to get rested and, uh, you know, into the uh, – in and out of the training room. But that's always a tough call on the first game on the road. So, if I had to guess, I think we will probably be two and one after three games. But a lot like you, if we can get to three and one out of the first four games, regardless of how it breaks down, I think we're in good shape. All wins in college football are created equal. It's not like the NCAA tournament where certain wins matter more. If you get to six, you make a bowl. So it doesn't really matter who they come against as long as they're Division One FBS team. Um, so 
I think three and one in these four games, probably two and one after the first three, not lumping app in here is reasonable. So uh, I think that's my expectation, two to three wins. Anything less than that is a disappointment. It makes it pretty difficult to see us going to a bowl again. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, we are going – sorry, sorry to interrupt. We are going to learn a lot about our offense after that Boston College game. We keep saying, are they, gonna, are they finally going to get better? Are they finally going to get better? Did have a very strong showing against Temple in the bowl game. Hopefully that's a sign of some things to come. Boston College, as we mentioned, very good defense. A lot of junior and seniors on, in, their, in their starting lineup. Um, and then some, some underclassmen to fill out the two deep. Uh, and as we mentioned, how good they were on defense last year. So we are going to learn a lot about our offense after that game. If we can have a good offensive showing, that should give us a lot of confidence and be a great sign moving forward into the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I, I probably speak for most of us when I say I'm ready to see our offense come alive and, and you know, help out the defense a little bit because they've been phenomenal the past few years. And hopefully the bowl game last year was a start of uh, something – something big for Wake in the offense, um, but we will see how that translates moving forward, and Boston College will be a, a great first test against that. Um, so we've looked at the first three games here, and next week we will take a, a look again at um, the next three games. The reason we're breaking it down like this is because we are previewing um, three teams a week as we look ahead to football season. So obviously this week was uh, – the Presbyterian Boston College and Utah State game. Next week we will take a, a look at App State, first of all, and we had two or three questions with regards to App State, but I'm going to leave those for next week uh, because I think that will be, that'll be, uh, be a fun conversation with, with the app because there are a lot of questions surrounding that from locals and people that are App State fans and Wake fans alike. But next week we'll take a look at App, St- at App State, Florida State, and at Clemson. Their over-under combined is 9.5, 9.5, 9.5. So 28.5 wins is expected for those three teams next year. Um, that, that's a lot of wins. So, uh, that's uh, not going to be an easy three-game stretch there. So we'll take those questions next week. But I, I do want to take uh, a look at one of the questions that we got uh, via Twitter today was with regards to Wakey Leaks. Uh, if you remember last year, uh, Tommy Elrod obviously was, I don't want to say convicted because there was no legal ramifications really, but he was uh, found to have passed along a lot of uh, the plays that we had with some of his former coworkers who just happened to play for other teams. And uh, it was uh, brought up to us on Twitter by uh, at Cam's Foxtail, but he said he would like to know whatever came of the Wakey League scandal seemed to have been swept under the rug. No real punishments given, and once Wake handed out evidence over, it went completely quiet on the matter. Um, and Rob, do you do you have? I know that there were some fines for Army and Louisville uh, with regards to that. Do you have an overall take on this? Because I'm not sure we ever really got into it. What were your overall thoughts on Wakey Leaks and uh, what came of it? I guess my overall thoughts were it was it was obviously uh, pretty disgusting by Tommy Elrod that, that he would do such a thing, um, and I can't believe he never thought that he would ultimately get caught. But here we are. Um, you know, Wake ended up winning a number of the games that that were in question, though we lost the, the Army game from uh, – well, actually, I guess it didn't impact the Army game this season. It was the Army game the, the year prior. But – you know, as far as what happened, as you mentioned, there were a number of fines, some internal suspension slaps on the wrist. I believe with Virginia Tech, they said they were going to handle it internally. Um, I, I'm not sure it's an NCAA violation, to be perfectly honest with you, to sort of 
an, an ethical thing. There was some potential um, talk that it could be illegal in the state of North Carolina with regard to some trade secrets law that I with proprietary information. But the bottom line is, I'm not, I'm not sure it's it's necessarily worth it to to go after him in court. Um, I, you know, you know what, what good's going to happen. The, the the good thing that happened is. Uh, we found out about it. Hopefully, we can we can change our our structure moving forward um, in our processes to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again. Because uh, we're at a competitive disadvantage enough by being a small private school uh, in the in the state. We have enough things working against us. We certainly don't need people on the inside working against us as well. So I, you know, quite frankly, I just don't even want want to think about it too much more and just say, okay, we we got the team. We had. Some positive things that happened to the program afterwards had that big bowl win, as we mentioned. So I'm I'm just looking forward uh, to the future of the football program. Yeah, that's probably the best way to look at it. It it was a really unfortunate thing. There are a lot of facets to it, and I mean we could probably talk about this for a full podcast if we really wanted to get into the intricacies of it. Um, you know, coaches exchange information all the time. I'm not naive enough to think that that doesn't go on. But but Tommy Elrod wasn't a coach last year, two years ago, three years, however long ago it was happening. He was hired by the school to become a color commentator, and he was actually done a favor by Dave Clawson. Dave Clawson could have easily said, no, I don't want a guy in there like that who um, knows our plays, is that close, and, and could possibly release it. Now, I don't know what if Elrod has – beef with Clawson for getting fired or let go or whatever the terminology was. But, you know, it's pretty typical for coaches to come in and, and clean house, especially when a team has been as bad as Wake was for the years preceding uh, Clawson coming in here. And I thought it was a good move by Clawson to allow him to stay there and to have that kind of trust get betrayed by a man like Tommy Elrod is, is disgusting, especially a guy who – not only was a coach here, but went here, was a demon deacon through and through. The school supported him through a lot of his bad times, um, and it, it was returned with absolutely no favor at all. And like you said, there may be some legal ramification to it, but I don't think Wake is pursuing it. If they did, I'm sure they probably just settled out of court for whatever would have happened. But, you know, it doesn't matter now. The, the damage is done. And, you know, it, it, it's funny for people to look at it from an outside and say, oh, Wake had a guy. They shouldn't have let him in on it. But if you can't trust a guy who came, who went here, graduated from here, played here, coached here, and then broadcast here, then, then who the hell can you trust? And that, it's really sad when you think about that state of uh, whatever mindset he was in to have to give that information away to uh, to his alma mater, however mad he was about the situation. It just It really speaks to Tommy Elrod more than anything with regards to Wake Forest. And uh, it, it's it sucks, but it's over, and Wake is moving forward now. So um, I think I don't have a ton to say on it other than that. It's disgusting to think about, and it makes me angry. As you can tell, I got pretty riled up there. But anytime a guy like that does it, it's, it's not a Wake Forest problem. It's, it's, a, it's a Tommy Elrod problem, and it was worked out. And while I would have liked probably to see harsher punishments come out of Louisville, Virginia Tech, and Army other than uh, it, it happened, you know, hands off other than a fine and maybe a one-game suspension, it is what it is, and those schools are going to do what those schools are going to do. So at the end of the day, we can move forward and just focus on this year without having that hanging over with it. So I just don't want to, don't want to think about it anymore. But to answer that question, that is, uh, that's what came of that. I don't think there are any loose ends publicly that need to be tied. Maybe there are a couple of private things still going on, but I believe that it is pretty much wrapped up. Would you agree with that statement? There's not a lot going on with it with regards to it anymore. 
I, I haven't heard anything about it about it for months um, after some of the schools that, that were identified came out. So I, I don't expect too much uh, to come out of it. Maybe something will come out of it on our end, but I think we would have heard so by now. Yeah, I agree with that. So that uh, that pretty much wraps that up. Um, we got a couple minutes left here, but just kind of talking about today, we, we wanted to go on air at 630. There were a couple of issues with the back end. We know that kind of off the bat this wasn't – probably our best podcast, but we're going to keep working hard to uh, bring something to you consistently each week. And we will be back next Sunday at 630. um, And we'll try to put out uh, the best product that we can. And uh, we'll be taking a look at App State, Clemson, and Florida State. Before we go, I do want to talk about John Collins really quickly. He had 22 and 10 today in the summer league for the Atlanta Hawks in a victory. And uh, he's looked really good so far. Rob, do you have any thoughts on Collins and what your expectations of him are um, moving into the season, whether he'll start, what what you think of him for the next uh, little bit? Oh, yeah, I'm a big believer in, in John Collins. I think the, think the Hawks got a, a great value at, at 19, incredibly efficient yet again today. And that should come as no surprise. Uh, as, as you and I have pointed out multiple times, led the nation in PER last season. Uh, had one of the best PERs ever, I, I believe. So incredibly efficient player, great rebounder, uh, very talented player around the rim. Showed off a lot of athleticism today. So I, I think, you know, with Dwight Howard and, and Millsap and some of those guys being on the way out in Atlanta, I think that's going to – uh, give him a lot of opportunity to get, uh, you know, some pretty significant minutes for the Hawks this year. Um, and I think he's going to put up some pretty solid numbers offensively. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think he dropped a little farther than he should have in the draft. I thought he was a lottery pick, but I think he's going to show everybody that he uh, he was a great pick there. Offense, obviously no issue. Defense is the big question, and we'll see how that kind of sorts itself out. But I think he'll wind up starting for the Hawks this year and uh, should get a lot of run on a – maybe not so good basketball team. So that's pretty much a perfect fit for him for his first few years as he tried to get that big contract. Um, we got about 20 seconds left here. So as always, we really appreciate you listening. You can follow me at BSD underscore R.A. Johnston. Where can they find you on Twitter, Rob? At Robert underscore Reinhard. Perfect. We will see you guys next week. And as always, go Deeks. Go Deeks.